the future of photography. Hello and welcome again to yet another episode of the Future of Photography. My name is Chris Marquardt and with me are Emer King. Hello. Hello. Adrian Stock. Hello. Hello. And Jeremiah Chechik in Los Angeles. Hello. Hi, Jeremiah. Hello. Hello. So here we are again, the whole gang together. And uh, we are uh, ready for another interesting episode. Um, last week we talked about stress in photography. Today we'll talk about something that might also be stressful. Let's find out <laughs> copyright in the age of social media. Um, before we do that, as usual, let's look at uh, our photography highlights. Did everyone find one? Find something? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. All right. So let let me kick mine off. Um, I uh, I'm choosing a building because I recently did a photo session with Monica, my better half. And of course you want an interesting location, at least for that kind of a shot. And um, we chose something that's here in Hanover where we live and it's called the Emit Centrum. And if you just enter Emit Centrum, that's uh, I-H-M-E-Z-E-N-T-R-U-M into a Google search, in the Google, Google image search, you will uh, see this big concrete structure and it's somewhere in the center of Hanover and it was built back in the 70s. Um, I think the term for that kind of architecture is brutalist. brutalist. Yeah, it's very <laughs> brutalist. It's a, uh, it's this. It was this this big idea back then of having lots of different families and businesses and things live together and and exist together in this big big structure. We're talking really like a whole bunch of buildings crammed together, almost like they're intersecting each other in some areas on different levels and there's a a little river behind it. It's actually a nice setting, but for some reason the whole dream, the whole uh, utopia of this happy big place hasn't worked out. So it is uh, very much in disarray. There are still people living there, there are still businesses in there, but there's also areas that have just that have begun to crumble. There's area that are fenced off now. Um, and it's a lot of concrete and a lot of graffiti and a lot of, um, well, it's a place that is still alive, but it not, not in a way that they anticipated. But it's an amazing photo location. So if you need interesting backgrounds and things, then uh, and you're near Hanover, you should check it out because it has a lot to offer. It looks absolutely huge. It is huge. I'm looking at the pictures here. It is huge, yeah. And it yeah, I think I think huge. over the years it has it has found and lost several investors who wanted to bring it back to its old glory and none of them has stayed for long and so it has changed ownership so many times wow. and it's it's too big to be torn down and uh, yeah, yeah and so. it's all concrete. It's too so big to be bomb. torn down. It's it's yeah, really brutalism is not really known for its subtlety. No, it's not subtle at all. <laughs> <laughs> we have pl we have plenty in London actually, and um, oh yeah, a lot a lot of the a lot of the buildings are protected now. Uh, Goldfinger, or, right? You have the 
Goldfinger buildings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the architect. The, you know that apartment complex near Notting Hill? That one. That big. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> that, there's the, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, you know, things that were uh, in, and some of them, some of them now are very. Uh, there's a place called the Barbican, um, which is a very yes, desirable. That's place what it reminded me of. The Barbican. Yeah. Um, which which in its in its day was built as social housing um uh, and uh, uh now is is a very desirable place to live because it's right near the city of london right near the finance district so um yeah but it's great there's there's loads of it in london it's um it's all all, all built in the 50s and 60s fantastic stuff some of it some of it's terrible though <laughs> so, yeah. well emo goldfinger's just... apartment buildings is just it's a challenged aesthetic Mm, yes let's go with that let's go with challenge <laughs> so that is my that is my highlight um who's next a good one i can jump in here i i have a a, a weird one it's quite expensive and I, I i i can't see myself buying it but it it looks absolutely incredible uh you know at some point we'll talk more about archiving and i know you've talked about archiving this is called a film toaster dakota um it is a way of digitizing your uh, negatives using cameras uh, at extremely high quality. So instead of, you know, drum scanners, etc. And it, it, it looks like a absolutely wacky rig um, that is designed to put your, you know, you know high-end... Uh, digital camera on and run your negatives through a very flat plane. And I think it takes 120 as well as 35, etc., or any format. And then re-photograph them at very, very, you know, high quality. So it's like it's like and a I, slide duplicator pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But a high-end one. Oh, it's it's a bargain. Yeah. I see the price right now. <laughs> it's a total <laughs> bargain. It's only $3,200. <laughs> Whoa. That's what I mean. It, it, it is kind of rather, like, they can't be selling a whole hell of a lot of these. Because you always think, well, if I just drum scanned some of my favorites, you know, what's that going to cost me? But I think if you if you were running a you know uh, some kind of lab and needed something without you know kind of going full full hog on a um, you know Imacon you know oil based drum scanner that's like absolutely locked tight maybe this is a, a good deal for you anyway I'm always curious about the conversions between uh, film and digital and how to make the best of it for larger prints. This seems to be one way. Love to find somebody who has one and borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, use a, I use a very cheap copy stand for that. You could buy one and rent it, rent it out to people, make some money. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. That, that would be stressful for me. Chechik <laughs> rental <laughs> services, yeah. Oh, that's stressful. It'd that's... be excellent for archiving, wouldn't it, of old, like really old um, negatives and stuff? Oh, if you were, yeah, if you had a library. Like a museum. You know, like an like industrial stuff, museum, yeah. Yeah, I think mm, it would be interesting. Mm. Sounds cool. Um, chat with them in the museum. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, do you want to buy one of these? Yeah. So any highlights from you, Imar? Um, my highlight is is not quite a photography highlight, but I have been kind of taking photographs of flowers lately. And in my other work, I've been 
talking to loads of painters and it's really made me want to go back in that direction again. So um, I used one of my uh, photos this weekend and I painted. So uh, my photography was like a source image for uh, me going down a different road for a change. What medium? Watercolor? Uh, oil, actually. Oil? Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, so slow. <laughs> so oh. slow. <laughs> Uh, so I haven't achieved that. much, but um, it's so much fun. Oh, my goodness. Most fun yeah, I've I had. I could in, never do uh, that. I can't I could remember. Never, I, I, I can't paint at all. I could never do that. So. That's why you're a photographer. <laughs> it is. No, that's a totally why that's I'm That's what I can't paint either. I've never really been a painter. Even, you know, I, I did art. I, I did sculpture and I did a photography, but I was never a painter. So where this want has come from, I don't know, but it's it's really enjoyable. <laughs> so I'm going to keep it up. Yeah, that sounds good. And yes, and Chris, you're right. That is why I am a photographer, um, because I, I, I don't have the motor skills to do things like painting and drawing. But That's I, always I, my excuse. Yeah, I can see things in my head. And if I can use technology to capture those things, definitely. That's where that's where it's at for me. So uh, and fun enough that that's a little bit aligned to, to my photography highlight of the week. Um, and I'm also going to do a shameless plug here for my other podcast, Sunny 16. Uh, again. Again. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I plug future of photography on Sunny 16 when we record that. So. <laughs> goes both ways but now the, the the photography highlight actually is we yeah it is uh the recent assignment that we've done um as the the the, the hosts and we invited listeners and some of the listeners came yeah, did it with us uh an assignment on self-portraits uh we've done in in the last few weeks uh and that has been a a, a lot of fun um and uh you know thinking everything from you know uh doing sort of pre-shoot and and pre-concept uh interviews with people whose work we like to give us some inspiration through the concept and design phase and then into the execution phase and i did all that on square instax uh just for fun and and so yeah that that, that's a a nice little assignment uh, i've done recently that i really enjoyed i was uh looking at those during the week and i particularly liked the one of the guy behind the window that's a really good, uh, cleverly done. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, so true. it's... Uh, it's one of it's, your yeah, listeners, it, obviously. Uh, yes, yes. And I can uh, see he's got a clear registration on his car. So it's obviously an Irish listener. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or right. someone who lives in Ireland. <laughs> I can read his so. reg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Well, there you go. So, so it's, it's, it's uh, all good to see. So this is, I think you're going to say that's, yeah, it's, I was going to say it's going to be Barnaby, isn't it? Um, he, he, um, yeah, he, he, he's somebody that, um, we know from our show from making the show. I I can't remember if he's ever been on the show or not, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, he moved to Ireland just a, a couple of years ago, actually. Um, and, uh, and has taken some great photos. Well, take some great photos before he went, but, uh, but also uh, since he, since he moved to Ireland, he's taken some great photos. So, uh, yes, like it. it looks like a fun project now. They all look good. And the guy, it's obviously one of your co-presenters, uh, nurturing his little baby camera there yes yes that's a scary <laughs> photograph that is don't anybody go and look at that one uh, but no but but yeah you know, self-portraits uh as an assignment um you know and again um going back to actually uh i think what something i mentioned in last week's show which is you know when can these things be collaborative um, and we uh, and this is an assignment we all did is a very collaborative thing, yeah, which was you yeah, uh, know to to encourage each other and and to work with other people and and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, yeah, very pleased to have done that. There you go. That's my photography highlight Project. for the week. Wonderful. 
So let's get into the topic, copyright in the age of social media. Imar, you prepared that. So why don't you yes. take over here? What put this to my mind was, um, as you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram quite a bit. And lately, every now and again, it happens every couple of years. It seems to um, you see people posting these Instagram does not have permission to post my pictures. <laughs> you must repost this now or, you know, they're going to take all your pictures. And they're kind of, uh, I, I kind of looked into it a little bit and uh, I, apparently they, they mean nothing whatsoever. So um, the terms and conditions that, that you sign up to. Is that like a chain letter that people get, get it, and, 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 and forward to everyone? To Yeah, like, a, you know, post this now and people that you, you know, people whose work you like are, are doing it and you're like, hmm, should I do this? You know, is it? And then I don't, you know, you don't want to kind of screw up your, the look of your page by <laughs> kind of throwing anything onto it either. So, um, yeah, when I looked into it, apparently these things all mean nothing and that um, you, everybody says that you must repost the message um else uh, Instagram is going to come along and they can sell your pictures, share your photos and do whatever they want with them, uh, which they can't technically because there's a few bits left out that kind of allow them not to do that. But while I was uh, looking up um, the sort of details and the, the ins and outs of the serpentine world of copyright laws and intellectual property, it's, and it's just total... Uh, minefield of stuff. Uh, but there was a couple of really interesting cases that jumped out at me about um, people taking action against companies. And, and one that really jumped out at me and struck me as extremely cheeky was um, a, a lady called Christine Dancel. And she took an action against Groupon, which are the those um, online deal people. Um, and basically it was she'd posted a picture of herself in a restaurant and she tagged the restaurant. And then afterwards, she found out that Groupon took her picture and used it in an advert for one of their deals for that restaurant, which is extremely cheeky, I think. Uh, and sort of um, making the impression that, you know, she was complicit in it somehow or and she knew nothing about it. She just happened to stumble upon it by accident. So... Apparently, this is, um, you know, it is in, in contradiction of Instagram's terms of use. So she probably would have win the case, like, but um, that's, you know, that's a bit cheeky, isn't it? <laughs> What do other yeah, people think? The, pr the, the problem is that uh, the cost of pursuing this in the courts, at least here in America, mm. is very expensive. Uh, and I, I've done it. I've, I've sued a advertising agency for using a photograph that I'd done for Italian Vogue in a commercial and I won mm. but uh, it's a it's quite a deal it, it takes time it you takes know effort. in terms of your your professional work that's you know completely understandable that you would go down that road but this lady just posted a picture of her sitting in a restaurant uh, you know it was I mean in a, how well, can they do that and you know what I mean and How can they be allowed to get away with that? It's really well. There are there right, are people working on pretty significant um, solutions to this, uh, and and mm. maybe a topic for another day. But I happen to to know a very old friend of mine is involved. He lives in Virginia. He's very involved in copyright law. He's one of the experts in copyright. Teaches at a university. Teaches copyright law, 
at universities and knows more about it than any person I've ever met. And there are, uh, he, he came originally from music, um, you know, mm. and we know that sampling and all of that stuff has integrated itself to pop music and where the line is for who's responsible and how much it's worth, etc. That is now uh, being kind of moved to photography. And there are solutions wherein you can embed all your copyright information, address, etc., within pixels of your photograph and register um, in a central repository. And so every picture that you will be able to post will have an authentication of your copyright, your ownership of it. Uh, where it gets a little bit um, complicated, of course, is where you take a an image that would be uh, copywritten by the artist and subvert it, change it, use it. If it's iconic, um, who owns the kind of reuse of it? Um, mm. That's a very, like the appropriation part of it is a very interesting dynamic as well. Yeah, and that takes me on to the other really interesting thing I found was this artist who calls himself an appropriation artist and has been working this way for years, but he took portraits that people had taken of themselves um, from their Instagram feeds, printed them at six foot tall and showed them as part of the Freeze Art Fair in New York. Yeah, I saw that. I saw them. And saw, sold them to collectors for 90000 each. And no plans had he to share that money with the people that he took the photos from. So you could have seen yourself six foot tall on a wall in a New York gallery, which you might have loved. Or, you know, that's you're in really, really shaky ground, aren't you? Well, the question, well, yeah. the question is uh, where? I think that's one of the big, big things here is that uh, depending on the geography, uh, it might be very different. I, for example, know that in New York, Things like that are handled off net and handled differently than in other places. And mm. if you if you go to Germany, for example, uh, here in Germany, we do not even have anything like copyright. Uh, I think co copyright co copyright the term copyright is an American invention, and I think it's mostly about the commercial value of photography. Whereas we have something that is more like. Uh, authorship, intellectual property. No, it's, yeah, it's it's authorship. Yeah. Um, that is something that is automatically assigned to your work of art the moment you create it, so you won't have to register anything. And that is more about the intellectual property, yeah, uh, as yeah, opposed to the commercial yeah. value of it. So, it, it is it is really a topic that, depending on where you live on this planet, you will this have to discuss in a very different way. Most certainly uh, here, uh, there's a very famous um, court case went all the way to the Supreme Court involving Barbie. Uh, an artist had photographed uh, Barbie, the doll, um, and, uh, you know, dressed, lit, and really created some very kind of uh, evocative, provocative, and interesting uh, images that reflected more about the culture. And uh, I think it's Mattel who owns Barbie sued. Yes. Sued the artist mm. and uh, went all the way to Supreme Court. And the court found for the artists themselves. And the reason they did was that the appropriation of the image of Barbie, though it was theoretically copywritten by Mattel, had become a cultural touchstone 
So it had significance other than a doll, number one. And number two, mm. um, people who bought the work of art, <laughs> this is an interesting point, did not uh, dissuade anyone from not buying Barbie dolls. Mm-hmm. So, so the, it, it was it was really kind of connected fiscally with what did it do to the original manufacturer of the doll, putting it out or reusing it as art. And um, in my own work, since I do appropriate work from video games and transform them, in some case, just uh, not in terms of the gameplay, but in terms of the imagery, um, I researched the hell out of this for my own work. Because if you walk down the street in the city and take a photograph, there are, you know, your architectural elements, which you did not design, um, the street, the, you know, city planning, the cars, uh, people on the street, all of those things in many ways are appropriated in terms of, uh, you know, the time of day and the light bouncing off, you know, a window, which is part of an architectural element, which you did not design. And yet... There is no issue about taking that image in a public place. Um, And so there's a lot of extremes on either side, which is, you know, ripping off a picture, using it for commercial purposes to make money, or taking um, an image that was done socially and making a work of art on it, and then all of that stuff in the middle which is all that gray zone. And this really does uh, relate to the future of photography and what we would consider ownership of our own images. Is, is that, uh, is there something along the lines of the fair use that you're, um, because we do not have that here. There is no fair use clause here in Europe, at least not in Germany. Yeah, there's a Creative Commons license yeah, where if yeah, you yeah. take an image, you can release it I know, into the I know. world. But the but the um, fair use the fair use is part of the copyright law, so it is. Yeah, um, I think it's about mostly about music and where you can use a short snippet of something or a movie yeah. and mm-hmm. use it in your in your reporting on it. But yeah, we we do not even have that here. Can we can we pick up on the fair use thing? Because I've got two thought experiments, right? So the the first one is is was the first one is not actually a thought experiment. The first the first one is is just a a, a comparison with the music industry. So yeah, when I when I was a kid, musicians made their money from selling albums, and they tended to lose money on tour. Um, nowadays, musicians make their money from uh, from from performing and and from um, you know. Uh, I know upselling and marketing and you know, other products and what have you, and they don't make any money from selling the music anymore because that industry has changed. Now that's a vast oversimplification, um, but hold that thought for a minute and what it might mean for photography uh, and other image making art forms. Um, the other one that I really that I think is it's, it's going to sound to you quite tangential at first, so feel free to shout me down, right? If you don't think this is a similar situation, because I'm very happy to be challenged on this. But if you think about, um, if if there had never been any alcohol or cannabis in this world, and then uh, until ten years ago, and suddenly alcohol and cannabis were discovered at the same time, and uh, only one of them was going to be allowed to be legal. And the test was going to be how people behaved after they consumed those substances. 
Which one do you think would be legal? Probably legal. cannabis. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a question. question. And so, so the thought experiment here and how it relates back to copyright for imagery is that actually, you know, um, in, in most places, in many places in the world, cannabis is still illegal. I know it's been legalized in a, in, uh, in a number of countries and, and, and areas within countries in, in recent times. But broadly speaking, you know, for cannabis is, is, is illegal. Um, and yet uh, you could argue, and people do argue, of course, that it does far less harm than alcohol. And alcohol is only legal because it's always been legal. Um, and I think there's an element of, of that we're in a period of change for copyright. And I don't I think it's going to take some time to shake out. Um, but it's one of those things that if you ask somebody that's born 10 years ago, um, what do you think about you know, owning an image? I, I think they'd have a very different view uh, of the of even is it possible to own an image uh, than somebody who maybe has spent a lifetime crafting in in that older business uh, uh, and and from where the copyright comes from i think if you started from scratch copyright might look very different discuss <laughs> discuss amongst ourselves yeah it's um, um you know, what's popping into my mind is these are problems I wouldn't have if I painted, in a way. That's right. <laughs> so maybe I'll just have to start using my photos for reference images and then paint them, and then people can't really argue with me about copyright issues at all. So I'll just... Yeah, so certainly that would reduce the risk significantly, wouldn't it? Wouldn't because it? You'd, have to be, you'd, ha you'd have to be um, uh, a, a very good... Uh, well, forger to put to put to put a blunt word on it to, to to copy somebody's artwork that that much for it to be convincing. So let's go back yeah, to yeah. painting and Polaroids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or, well, well, I think yeah. the thing that really um, disturbed me the most about um, the lady with Groupon was that it, it's like she may never have even realised that that was a thing. I mean, it was it was like nobody alerted her to that fact. She found that out by accident. So. How much of it is actually going on with people's... I know we all kind of do it with um, quotes from the internet or images that we want to use for reference for something that we're doing or project we're working on or... Like, we do it all the time, you know, screenshot things and we all do it. But at the same time, um, how you know, you're going into people's personal lives, it's a little bit different, isn't it? I think that w it's a, a, a bigger cultural question. Because um, if you go to Facebook, for example, and uh, they built their, you know, their kind of uh, news um, sections on, you know, what we would call, you know, republishing, right? Republishing mm. an article and having people kind of bounce it around. So if you wrote something mm. on, on, you know, their spiegel, then you want it copied and copied and copied and, you know, yeah. put out there. So there, there was an encouragement to share. And yeah. if you add that to, well, what's privacy in the digital world writ large? Like, you know, how do yeah, we manage yeah. that? Uh, so that there is a sense of, uh, and, and, you know, Chris, you remember, you know, early digital days of Napster. Oh, yeah. Where, where music, it's, sorry, music itself was, you know, completely, quote, free. It, it didn't feel free. It was free. People were just stealing it left and right or... Um, you know, we so there is a we certainly are in a transit position here, 
because mm-hmm. on the one hand, there's an encouragement to just keep sharing. Uh, and on the other hand, there is the proprietary, proprietary um, kind of feeling of our own work. And where is that gray area between what we mm-hmm. want to get out there into the world and who owns it once it's in the world? Mm-hmm. Discuss. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's particularly pertinent for for any, any digital product because you know it, because they are so inherently easy to to copy and share. Um, and I think going back to what Ema was saying, if it was a painting, that's a difficult thing to copy, right? <laughs> so, so uh, you know, and and that uh, and possibly the time and effort and skill in, in to invest required to invest to copy something is maybe um, a barrier to entry, let's say, at the very least, or maybe it even you know uh, you know, uh, reduces the return on investment to zero. Whereas, you know, if you are um, a digital artist uh, and you are used to manipulating things that are um if they are not um free free to use they are at least freely available they are free to capture um and you know it it's a, i think it's it is a very different thing um uh and you know it's i i don't know and i i personally am torn i mean i you know i i've had um works of mine um published you know uh, mostly uh, i think pretty much entirely on websites to do with interviews is you know things like where i've taken photographs of of friends and those have been used as profile pictures and some you know and they've said well i i told them who took the photo so you should get the byline on it and then of course the website publishes that without any credit at all um mm-hmm. and at that point i'm thinking to myself well uh, you know that's that's my work that legally that's my work and it's been and it's been misused do I have the energy to chase it down? No. Uh, but but am I trying to make a living out of this stuff? Well, equally, no, I'm not. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I, I think it's a really challenging thing for people who are making a living doing this. And I think mm. socially it's important, um, you know, as, as humankind uh, that, that we that we support our creative endeavors. Yeah. That's how culture grows. And if we take out from under the people who are forwarding our culture, if we take out the means for them to live and to practice what they do, that, that puts it in a very dangerous position, I think. Um, but I won't pretend to know the answers. <laughs> but is there, there's really no way, like has something been invented? This is probably the dumbest question in the world, but has something been invented whereby if somebody did take your image or, you know, I'm not thinking of my images. I'm thinking of somebody working professionally, somebody who would sell their work, you know, regularly. If somebody stole one of your images digitally, is there a way that you could be alerted to that fact? Or would you just... Well, that's how would you know? That's what this repository is meaning to do, which is Mm-mm-mm. if you are using it fairly, theoretically, you register again. And uh, it's all done electronically so that you're... You know what I mean? Your your transaction is recorded and and okay, uh, but it doesn't yeah. exist, yet, does it? No, no, they're building it. Yeah, it's it's the enforcement side of it that is challenging. Um, I think at least historically. So I know there are lots of you know in in the United States you can register your image. Uh, I think is it with the Library of Congress, Jeremiah? Yeah. And. Uh, and and if you've pre-registered your image, then that is unequivocally yours. That's that's evidence enough for the law courts that that you know that it, you are the the creator of that work. 
Um, mm. But I, know, I think the, the enforcement thing is where it gets a bit interesting now, because I think, um, I did, Jeremiah, the, the system that you're talking about, was that based around a blockchain technology of any kind? I believe uh, it is, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know the, for sure. And, and maybe one day, um, you know, if, if we're kind of open to having guests, I could probably dial in uh, Mr. Jim Griffin, uh, who's technically adept enough to be able to you know, give us some good re- recording, but he he's an amazing person to listen to in terms of copyright. So that's, I mean, that sounds interesting. And from, especially from the technical side, um, I mean, my, my own limited knowledge of how the blockchain systems work is that, um, you know, a, a single thing that is protected by a blockchain um, can, can only be registered with, with one owner and, and only that owner can change uh, the, the, you can assign ownership to somebody else um and that's how things like bitcoin work of course and and other cryptocurrencies but the the interesting thing for me behind that is not just the technology it's it's what i would call the chain of trust so you know drawing on my my professional life where i tend to get involved with the security of technology systems of one kind or another uh, you know the, the 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 chain of trust is very important because you have to have a um, everybody has to uh, to acknowledge the 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 chain of trust um, and and has to acknowledge uh, the source of that trust what they call the 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 root uh, uh, of that trust um, and this comes into cybersecurity in all sorts of areas um, and so but what I haven't yet seen is an emerging acknowledged source of trust for digital works be they photo- photographs or, or film or or any other kind of digital work um no uh, i i don't believe there is as like uh, as an academy member uh, for example i get these screeners every year and all of them now come with your particulars um you know uh watermarked you can't see them, but they are watermarked. So should you upload the film or whatnot, it is directly traceable to you immediately. Ah. So that's and an interesting And people do, don't they? So. People, people, you find those all the time, don't you? Screeners on, on certain websites. How so, do you so know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, from my student days. Um, of course. But, but, but um, so you're saying that they could trace that back to whoever i mean obviously to be in a position to get one of these you you know they don't just they don't you know they don't end up in anybody's hands so no they're very very focused on who who they send them to uh and they're you know there's all kinds of warnings at the beginning like sharing this two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine blah 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 Anyway, I I think this could be an an entire episode on its own it could be yeah (laughs) a lot to talk about here all right. So, are we are we happy with the discussion so far? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, happy, yeah. happy. It, it's, happy it's, it's, I, I opened a can of worms. I think it's. <laughs> no, I, I think I think I think we we scratched the surface, and that's pretty much what we. I think we all agree we need to really dig deep in in copyright law and sharing and social, yeah. and maybe expand it because it's worth it. Well, I think all you could really hope to do in in, in, time, in the time we have is is to open the can of worms, and then maybe maybe other people will have ideas and yeah, you know, that's that's what the audience is for. So, um, so. let us know. Yeah. 
send us send us your thoughts on this topic uh before we leave let's quickly go through the picks of the week who wants to start okay i i start i start it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine with me um my pick of the week is a, a old i wouldn't call it old but uh not a recent camera it's a camera actually it's a sony Alpha 5100. Uh, it's an APS-C camera that uh, has been out for a while. And at one point in time, I was... Uh, I had the need to get a webcam that was getting better image quality than the off-the-shelf USB plug-in web webcams that you can get. So I was looking for something with a bigger sensor and uh, with some... Uh, with some additional parts and a lot of research, I managed to take a used Sony Alpha 5100 and which is probably four years, five years old now and convert it into a webcam that has a nice bokeh and has amazing image quality. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, that was a big, big project. And I have a video out there that we'll link to on YouTube that explains a bit about that. But that's my pick of the week because it always looks at me from right above my screen and once a week I get to use it and I'm happy about what it about the image quality of it excellent can I go completely yeah. opposite ends of that then <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so having to having having talked about uh you know my, my photo highlight of the week be, being uh having done self-portraits um I, I I'd, I'd like to uh to to make a shout out for instant film uh, that'll be my pick of this week because I did that for I, I happen to use Fuji Instax Square, but there are other brands of instant film and of course uh, non-square formats as well. Um, and uh, I think sometimes you know, oh, so, sometimes sharpness is overrated. <laughs> and as I've said very often on this show, Instax is the future of photography. Everybody knows that Instax is the future of photography. <laughs> More Instax cameras are sold than any other kind. Probably, well, right. bar phone. Yeah. So their their film business is, uh, it's like in the billions now. It's Fuji. it's it's the it's the biggest cash cow they have. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely, it has been for years. So Jeremiah, do you have a pickup? Yes, week? I do. Uh, another uh, inspiring image maker, uh, Alex Froman, F R U E H M A N N. Alex A L E X. Look at those. And Alex Froman. Are those uh, photos? They look like paintings. They almost. are spectacular. Yeah. The black and whites are absolutely stunning and inspiring and just beautiful. I, oh, I just goodness. thought I would. Talk about uh, sharpness being overrated. His unconscious realities. Those are the ones that uh, caught my eye, actually. Oh, definitely. they're so beautiful. And um, oh, I follow him on, on Instagram, and, and he he just never fails to inspire, and I rejoice in his images. Oh, they're beautiful, aren't they? This is amazing how, how he takes mm. out uh, like depth of pictures in, in, a, in, a, in a way. Mm. That is really interesting. Yeah, I there's a technique together. I think uh, you know. I uh, I'm not sure how he works. Well, he might he might do some I think some, some work on maybe composite. Oh, they're lovely. There's a lot of Photoshop work in here. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 
All right, everyone, You're check those out. The link is in the show notes. We've all gone quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Just, um, Imar, what's your highlight? pick of the week? I was in keeping with the topic of the copyright show. <laughs> um, my highlight of the week was a little app I found that was like um, two euro, and it's called A Plus Signature, and you can do all kinds of annotating and everything on it. But you can add watermarks to your photos, uh, which is if anybody's in like any hidden way. hidden watermarks or just visible? Yeah, you can pretty much fade them out to very, very, very invisible. And I think oh, I in, there's there's several of them there, but a lot of them seem to be quite expensive. But you could actually, some of them allowed you to use your own signature hidden in the, you know, in the image, um, in your own handwriting and that, you know, it would recognize your handwriting and stuff like that. So mm. what's your some really again? good ones. But this this one is called A Plus Signature and it was sort of a cheap version of, of some of those really expensive ones that are out there that I thought was quite good. <laughs> All right. Okie dokie. So, um, yeah, if anyone has anything to add to our can of worms called copyright in the age of social media you know where to find us we have a website thefutureofphotography.com we have a twitter account tfop now and we'd love to hear from you we'll be back in a week with something else until then everyone take care bye 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 you've been listening to the future of photography a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 